Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination, with your host, Paula Granquist, is brought to you by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts. And now, Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. Good morning, this is Paula Granquist, and you're tuned in to Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. Thank you for listening to the show that celebrates creating and stories. And let's get ready to tune our imaginations together. Folks, I'm going to start off. I'm really excited about today. And I'm going to be talking about the new book, The Barons, by Kurt Johnson and Ellie Johnson. And from the first pages of this book, this brand new uh, debut novel, I was hooked into the story and transported back to the two times that I canoed through the Boundary Waters canoe area. The first time I was in middle school, and I have no idea why my sister and I signed up for this excursion. Maybe it was our parents who wanted to uh, have a little break from us. But, you know, we were the type of family that was the Holiday Inn family. We went to visit towns and camped at the hotel with the kids playing in the pool and the parents sitting around playing cards. We snacked on chips and pop and dips and popsicles and went out for pizza or chicken at night. I hadn't spent time camping in a tent, except maybe in the backyard for a sleepover. I was a reader, a dreamer, a girl that loved the pursuit of knowledge and the challenging, challenge of thinking through a puzzle. I didn't know what it was to cook over a fire or wash dishes in the lake water or understand the physicality of a portage and the heaviness of carrying your food supplies in a canoe. That first night up at the lodge in the BWCA, before we embarked on our canoe trip, I came down with something. I had a fever and chills, and I felt awful. I got to rest in the counselor's cabin, and the adults around me tried to figure out what to do with me. That next morning, they decided that I was okay to join the group and that to allow me to heal, I would get to ride and rest in the middle seat of the canoe for the first day. But I only got one day of rest. The next day, the leader of our group, who was one of the football or wrestling coaches, I can't remember, at the school, yelled at me for not being able to carry a canoe. He hated wimps. He demanded we all share the work. He favored the physically strong. He thought he was giving us a life-changing wilderness experience. He was giving us his version of the wilderness. Hard work for everyone, constant pushing to row faster, move more swiftly, set up the tent faster. His experience was an extension of the athletic field. Build muscles, agility, challenge your body. I did not enjoy that experience. I felt beaten down and a bit worthless by the end of the journey, and I didn't measure up to the others. I got home, and I still didn't feel well. When my mom took me to the doctor, we discovered that I had had anemia. Well, that might have explained my exhaustion, and the diagnosis made me feel a tiny bit better, but I couldn't imagine I would ever go back to the Boundary Waters again. I would be happy hoteling it for the rest of my life. Until I dated a guy that convinced me I needed to celebrate my college graduation with a trip in the wilderness. So off I went to canoe and portage and cook over the fire in the BWCA. What we do for love, I think... <laughs> I still am surprised at myself. And there's, this is some of the story of the Barons. There's a trip to the Canadian wilderness with two college women beginning their dating journey and taking on the challenge of the wild Canadian uh, outdoors in a 40-day, 450-mile uh, journey into the wilderness. 
I can't imagine that kind of journey. And that's why I'm excited to share this this book with you, because this kind of canoe trip I want to take is the one where I'm reading about it. And this novel reminded me why I love reading. I was taken to a place I would never likely go in my lifetime. I got to live the adventure from the comfort of home. And I think we underestimate the value of this kind of immersion. This story is an adventure, a love story, a story about stories, a journey through the wilderness of the heart and the wilds of a river, an endurance test of the soul, a page turner, and a tale with heart and grief and hope. So I hope you'll uh, continue to join me here today as I talk with Kurt Johnson, one of the authors of this book, The Barons, a novel of love and death in the Canadian Arctic. He wrote this book with the help of his daughter, Ellie, and she actually has traveled on this road, the 450-mile Thalon River Road. You can get more information from Kurt Johnson. That's K-U-R-T JohnsonBooks.com. And he grew up in Minnesota in, in Minneapolis and spent summers on a remote island near the Boundary Waters Canoe Area, first with his parents, later with his wife, and then his daughter, Ellie. And so they have some experience with this. This book is just fantastic. So I'm going to turn on the mic and welcome Kurt Johnson to Art Zany Radio. Welcome, Kurt. Good morning. Oh, you're here. Fabulous. Sorry about it. We had a little technical <laughs> things going on this morning, but <laughs> I'm so excited you're here. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank, thank you. Um, and in fact, I am on that island in northern Minnesota right now, um, oh. and it's very cold up here. Oh, so you have not in, had spring yet? Uh, no, we had a little taste of it, and then it turned cold. So it was in the 30s last night, and I had to start up the fireplace this morning so it's nice and cozy in here now but uh yeah it's uh summer has not arrived in in Ely, minnesota yet and and that's sometimes what we don't think about is uh, what that how that weather is different so tell me about that remote island i'm really curious about that what kind of a setup are, are you doing some rough camping or are you uh in in kind of a, a year-round camp? yeah it's, pre- it's yeah it's pretty easy it's uh it's on Burnside Lake outside of Ely, Minnesota, and it's about one portage away from the Boundary Waters canoe area. So we can jump in there on a canoe if we want to. But the island is, you know, it's about two and a half, three acres, and there's a, uh, a cabin that's not really insulated and, and a wood stove. And we have running water that uh, is pumped right out of the lake. The lake water is pretty clean here. And uh, we do have electricity but we don't really have um, plumbing, so we have an outhouse. So it's a little bit of roughing it, but mostly it's pretty, it's pretty comfortable up here. And it's beautiful. You know, you're in the middle of the lake. I can, I can see about 180 degrees around uh, through, the, through, through the trees to the lake, and it's beautiful. Well, it, it sounds gorgeous, although it does sound uh, – is, is it um, – well, I guess I should ask you because I, I want to talk about your style of camping. Are you a camper? Well, I, I, I do camp sometimes. When you have a cabin up here, it's sometimes nice just to stay in the cabin. Yeah. But uh, I, I do go out. Uh, I go on, on biking trips these days and backpacking trips, so I do some camping. But nothing like what my, my daughter did up in Subarctic Canada along the Ceylon River with you know three other women from Camp Widgewagon up here in, in Ely. I mean, that, that was really rough. I mean, if you could imagine four women going on uh, for her was a 500 mile trip and they had to carry in um 
all their supplies. And so they had, I think she was just talking about it the other day, it was like five or six food um, packs that weighed 100 to 120 pounds each. Oh, my. Plus these two gigantic river canoes that weighed about 80 to 100 pounds each, too. And they had to carry those things. And these are, you know, young college age. Well, when Ellie did it, she was 17 years old and just finishing up high school. And so, you know, they're each carrying anywhere from 80 to 120 pounds over these long portages um, where they had to bypass a whitewater on this on these rivers. I am very impressed because I cannot even fathom that kind of immersion into the wilderness. So was it her experience that inspired this book? Yeah, yeah, she she did. Um, uh, it was her final trip with Camp Wigiwagan, and she came out, and, and I was really interested in the trip. And she went back to, she was at uh, U, uh, UVM, University of Vermont, at the time, and she was taking an English course. And I called her up, and I said, I, you know, I have a great idea for a short story if you want to write it, you know, about two girls that go into the wilderness and this tragedy happens. And she said... Dad, I'm kind of busy. Why don't you write it yourself? And so, <laughs> yeah, so I, I did. And what started off is I was going to write kind of a novella. I didn't really have any aspirations of publishing it. Uh, turned into a novel. And, you know, I, I've never been to the, um, uh, up to, along the Thalon River in, in the Barrenlands uh, in Subarctic Canada. And I certainly didn't grow up like my daughter. Um, she's gay and, you know, she, she, had all the high school experiences of coming out and being outed like a lot of gay children in high school. And so I kind of had to explore the, the backstories of these two women and, and get into what it was like for Ellie uh, growing up and what it was like for Ellie on the trail up on the Thalon River. So um, I, I have her as co-author of the book because I'd never been there and I certainly don't have the experiences she had growing up. Yeah, well, this is, uh, folks, I'm so excited about this book. It is called The Barons, a novel of love and death in the Canadian Arctic. And I should should let our listeners know that I know Kurt from a class we took at the Loft Literary Center together. And I've always admired the way that Kurt has studied the writing of the novel. And it just, you're such a, a great uh, student and teacher because you share what you learn. And it's just been such a joy to spend time with you. And this book is uh, a result of not what I find also fascinating is that we workshop novels in that uh, class, but this is not the one you workshop. This is a second novel that you worked on. And I went back um, and looked at one of the submissions that you gave us for the Barons. I think it was one of your first first things you gave gave our group when after the class that we were looking at. And that 60 pages was uh, very, some of the pieces were there, but, but the order of how thing, how you told the story changed dramatically. In fact, what is the opening in the, in the novel that's published was, I think, chapter 14 in the version that you gave us. So I'm, I'm really fascinated to learn more about how you, uh, worked on structuring this novel because it, it this book is so gripping and I'm just, I, I almost felt guilty reading it so fast because I know how long you worked on it and how hard it was <laughs> because I just I couldn't yeah. uh, I enjoyed it so much so tell me a little bit about that process of structuring it and uh, coming up with the order of events yeah I mean the the, the first 
draft of this that that uh, you probably saw in the workshop. You you bring those drafts to workshops to get kind of hammered away and and get grounded in what you what work you really need to do. And that first draft I think was first person present tense mm-hmm. and it was very linear. And um, you know I finished that first draft and it was it was pretty horrible. All first drafts are horrible and. And that's kind of one of the first challenges a writer needs to get over is the fact that when they're done with that first draft, uh, they're maybe about 30% done with the book, you know, because you have all this rewriting that needs to be done. And through um, rewrites, um, I realized I needed to kind of punch it up in the beginning. So I put the inciting incident, uh, a fall that happens at the very first pages. And to do that, I had to then change from um, present tense to past tense, which is a chore in itself. Mm-hmm. And then, and then through, you know, you send it to first readers and you find out, oh, it's slow here and work on that. And I didn't quite understand this. And you have to explain this better. And you get that feedback and you just start rewriting. I realized I probably had too much nature and too much camping. Um, and I had to pull back on that. Um, I needed to, uh, kind of punch up the pace and the excitement and, and just make it so it was very readable and exciting. And, um, and then, you know, you're ready to submit it and try to find an agent, which, as we all know from that loft writing class, is, <laughs> is needle in a haystack. It's so impossible. But I did get an agent. And then it's, you know, doing some more work to get ready to find a publisher. And so, so I, I, I literally think there were 20 drafts involved with this book. Wow. Yeah. And we only saw that first one, although there are many elements of the core story that are in in that that draft that but but they're reworked in a way that makes them somehow pull you in. Like like you said, there was a that the way the tense was presented in that first draft, it was harder to get pulled in. And this way, the story just felt riveting. There was there was a big shift when you switched that. Sure. Yeah, and I, you know, I just, uh, just, it's, it's interesting, you know, when you start looking at each scene, you know, it needs to be kind of a story unto itself with a beginning, middle, and end, and if you really pare it down, you can get to that, those essential ingredients to make, you know, each scene exciting and move the plot along, and so it was a real learning process to understand that also. Right. And and this book starts off with, I, I think it's not giving away too much, because that's what I want to be careful with, because I want people to have that experience that I had when, you know, you are learning about everything that's happening and all, all of the adventures that happen. Um, but the first chapter has a, a horrific accident. Uh, for one of the girls, I don't even want to give away which what what the story is, uh, because I want people to pick up the barons. That uh, and the other girl is tested as she needs to finish up the trip. And of course, this this would be like my nightmare uh, wilderness story. Right. <laughs> and so I think that's what makes it such a good story. Is uh, you know you're alone. Uh, there's an injured person. There's absolutely no one around you. You have no contact with the outside world, and there are dangers around every corner. And you did such a marvelous job making this of a page turner every chapter has a has a fantastic ending and you know i'm curious how you manage the 
uh, you mentioned the fact that early drafts had too much na- detail about nature and that, you know, so you have to kind of set the scene and immerse people in it so they can create that picture. But you also have to, you know, uh, make things happen. So what did you yeah. learn about pacing and how to manage all those things that you learned? Because I'm sure you did a lot of studying and research about the plants and the rocks and the uh, rivers and canoeing. Uh-huh. Yeah, and my daughter had been there, and, of course, there's third-party sources also. So it was good just uh, calling her and talking to her about about what it was like at different um, parts of the river. But, you know, you set the scene with uh, camping or or setting up camp, and you set the scene with some nature, and it can be two pages or it can be two paragraphs. And, you know, I have to just pare it down from two pages to two paragraphs because a lot of that's interesting, and it sets a the scene, but you can be sparse. You know, you don't have to, um, you don't have to describe every blade of grass um, <laughs> in, in the field. You know, you can, you can move right into the action. So, and, it, and, it, and as an author, you, you kind of throw a lot of detail on a, on a page on a, uh, in, a, in a first draft. And then it's, you know, uh, like picking which children you want to take <laughs> with you on a vacation when the car only fits three people, you know, so you have to leave some children behind. And so that's kind of what you have to do in the, in the editing process. And it it is interesting though, you know, it kind of started off as 700 words and then I took out a lot of deep detail, but then I added in a lot of action. So I ended up at, at the same kind of page count where I started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's you've done a marvelous job with that because, you know, I think, and that's what what I loved was I was able to sort of call on those times that I was up in the Boundary Waters. I have no idea if that's what the place that they were at was exactly like, but there was enough in there that I, you know, could conjure sure. up this this space and be on the river if they're doing some, you know, white water or, you know, you're coming around a corner to, a, you know, trying to find a sandy spot to camp. I mean, you, you, you there's enough that. that but and I learned a lot of words too about different types of rocks and um, I think my favorite one that I learned was esker. <laughs> That's a, a, <laughs> a, you know a good good word to learn if you're going to be up in that space in in the wilderness. Well, and nobody does go up into that space. What was interesting um, that I learned from my daughter was she was on the river and it goes to this protected area called the Barrenlands and it's protected because. Um, it's a breeding ground for muskox that are that are endangered. But there's caribou going through there. There's wolverines. There's um, bear, um, fox, wolves, and uh, it's totally protected. There's no roads that go in and out of there. Um, only about I'd say a dozen trips go through there uh, uh, in in a summer, and so nobody's there. That's and, very uh, sparse. Daughter, yeah, my daughter didn't see anybody on her trip for 30 days. You can imagine going in that wilderness and something happens, especially in, in, the, in the book, the, their locator uh, beacon is, is, is broken uh, and destroyed in, in a fall, so they really can't contact the outside world. So it, it, um, it, it's remote, <laughs> and, uh, and it's, it's a tundra, and so there's just stunted trees, and you could see for miles. And it's very low country, and um, the sun in the summertime never really goes down. It kind of pops below the horizon, but there's still this um, dusky light, the gloaming, 
um, that it's described in the book. So it's kind of an out-of-body um, kind of place to be um, um, uh, that, that my daughter was there and described. Yeah, and it's beautifully done in this book. And I, I think for that, you know, people might want to read it. But I think that I fell in love with the book when you um, talked about one of the, uh, I think it was, Lee was reading a book, Arctic Dreams. And there's a quote from that, that book that she was reading that's, that's in here. Everything was held together by stories. That's all that was holding us together, stories and compassion. I think... When, when you put that element of storytelling into the book, it kind of, it created this very um, magical, like a potion, right? You, so you mix the wilderness with this danger and sparseness, and that, but then you get the magic of stories added in. And it really just uh, pulled me along because I wanted to hear these stories that were being revealed about the characters. And uh, I think I love that, that advice also, not only is it good life advice, but um, it's probably great advice for writers, too, because you're building these characters and trying to find compassion with these characters as you're revealing them to yourself as you're writing and to the world as you, you know, present it in the novel. Uh, so how did that, when did that component of the book come to life for you, that that was going to be a key element? Yeah, well, you know, at it, it, some point in the book, um, it, it's, it's, it's one woman, um, alone and, and, uh, you, you want to know her backstory and she wants to tell her backstory. And, and I've always liked this kind of sitting around the campfire telling stories and we do it up North all the time. I do it with my friends on ski trips and it's just kind of part of our family culture to st- to tell stories. And so I wanted to, I wanted to do all the backstory of, of these characters told in that kind of format and, you know, sitting around the campfire telling verbal stories. And, and so that's what I, you know, the whole backstory is told that way. And then it kind of, she kind of morphs from telling backstory to, to telling stories of, uh, of the life they could have had. And so I thought it was kind of a fun, um, I guess, device for, for, telling those stories. It, it, it is, and it works so beautifully in this book. And it, it's, uh, and it becomes a part of who each of these characters, kind of what their motivation is, too. Because Lee uh, wanted to get far away from her real life. And so that was part of her, you know, d- desire to go up to this camp with and this camping trip with Holly. And uh, she wanted to process all that had happened to her. And I love, she says, she wanted to look back on my life as though it were the life of another girl. I wanted to let go and tell that story. And so that's kind of what she's trying to do while she's up there. And Holly wanted to be a writer, a storyteller. And she says, creating one, talking about creating a story, was as simple as where you came from, your journey, what happened, and what you discovered. And so she's motivated to, um, you know, kind of use that rhythm to frame, and and that comes from her family. And it's just, uh, you know, it, it really 
adds that elements of of it deepens the book in a way because we get to know these people so intimately through those those times of telling stories that you can't help but you know root for uh, a positive outcome at the end and to make it through this in, insane adventure that they have. Uh, so I, I really applaud you on that. Was, was there a, a model for this? Because I don't know that I, I can't come up with anything that I've read that quite did it in this way. Well, you know, it's 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 based on that that kind. Of, well, it's. I mean, it's a, it's a a similar. I don't want to say trope, but I mean, it's an adventure story. You know, you just like Deliverance or <laughs> or any other kind of. Uh, they shouldn't mention. Well, that's a canoe trip. But at any rate, you know, it, it shows the life before they go onto the river, and then it's a river trip, and then and then something happened, and then and it's what. Um, they come away with what they discovered. So that that whole storytelling, um, beginning, middle, and end, you know, it, it's it's the it's also the story of the whole whole novel. And it's it's I think it's pretty common, you know. It's it's th- what makes it I think unique is that it's just two people, mm-hmm. and that you know the backstory is told in that that verbal way. But otherwise, it's you know a pretty linear adventure story. And it's a beautiful story, folks. This is Paula Granquist. I'm here with Kurt Johnson. We're talking about The Barons, a novel of love and death in the Canadian Arctic. It should be out and available in stores now. And it is a phenomenal. I just, I, I love this book. I raced through it and wanted to know exactly what was happening. And it was so, uh, there's so many layers to it. It's, it succeeds in so many different ways. Um, you know, it's adventure, it's love, it's, it's, you know, complex characters, there's heartache and joy, there's that glorious beauty of nature and all the sensory details that are happening in, in that world. Uh, I just really um, found it absolutely gripping. And there's great characters in here, too. One of them, uh, one of the girl's fathers, uh, this is Lee's father, is Jake the Snake. <laughs> <laughs> which sticks right from the beginning. And uh, it's uh, telling his story. Um, he mistrusts the government, people, the systems, technology, and absolutely valued self-reliance and being alone. And uh, what I thought was interesting is he, he never is present in the storyline, but he's omnipresent in the in the story of the book. I thought that was, a, yeah, a really fabulous thing that you did to create his character. Was was he a challenge to write? Um, no, he was kind of fun. Um, I, uh, <laughs> our family used to go down to Nebraska every spring to visit my mom um, uh, for for uh, Easter. And there was a guy that used to come to dinner every once in a while, and he lived outside of Columbus, Nebraska, just like Jake the Snake. And he was an echo anarchist, and he lived in a sheltered house, um, almost like a bunker. And you know, he uh, off the grid, um, no electricity. And um, what was interesting about him? Um, not only he was uh, very political and uh, echo anarchist, and he was ready to have a shootout with the government should they come <laughs> onto his land, but he was also from Harvard and from Connecticut. And over his mantelpiece were two sculling oars from when he rode uh, on the Charles River. And so that kind of dichotomy of that, that growing up and, and then living off the grid, I use that as, a, as kind of the beginning or template for Jake the Snake. 
Uh, that's really fascinating because I thought this was such a fantastical character. I, but And there actually is somebody out there that is that way, <laughs> which is why he's interesting, right? Because he's got those right. and then, contrasts. Part, part, of what I ba- part of what I based it on, too, was, um, uh, it was in Jerry Kaczynski, I think his name was, the Unabomber. Mm. And he lived off the grid up in uh, Idaho, I think it was. And so I took a, a few stories from his uh, the his uh, biography also. So there's a, there's a few of those nuts out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and it does kind of uh, help us to, you know, understand how you know this this character can uh, manage that uh, space of having to you know persist right through this wilderness, and understand because she had some of those experiences growing up. And uh, one one line that really intrigued me that I'd love to explore more with you was um, Lee tells us that to succeed and to make it through this, what she needed to sort of doubt her every instinct. And it's it's at a time where she's trying to figure out how to go down. I think she's uh, going up, up on a hill looking at some rapids, trying to figure out how to uh, maneuver them. And that, you know, really you couldn't, you had to to study nature. You had to know and consider the path before just taking off into it. Um, and and so I think that's really interesting because that's kind of the opposite advice that we're told a lot. Did did any of that come in for you in in writing that you had to, um, you know, not not follow Doubt your instinct? instinct. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a good um, metaphor. Right, right. Well, you know, she's she's left. Um, on the river to kind of fend for herself, and she was not the experienced one, Lee. And so she's trying to figure this out, and starting with the fact that she knows nothing and her, all of her instincts are wrong, and then trying to go back to what um, Holly had, had taught her. Um, so, and there's kind of a rebirth process in there, too, where she's starting to um, question everything in her life and, and 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 trying to maneuver the right way through her through the rest of her life. So um, that that's kind of the I guess the metaphor. But then there's the reality of you're you have to really study this whitewater and know what you can do and and what you have to do to get through there. And, and a lot of that I just learned from from Ellie telling me how to maneuver whitewater. Well, it sounded like you were an expert, and I uh, whitewater scares me because <laughs> that that whole idea of getting you know, it's not the going through it; it's the what if something goes wrong <laughs> that right is is really frightening. So I I thought it was really um, told in enough detail that I felt like I was right there with her. But it it absolutely is um, uh, something fascinating about the book and the story that and and in that idea of trying to. If you think about, should I follow my instincts or should I t- pause and study here? There's that. That's a really uh, a good puzzle for the for us to think about. Sure. Yeah. And Stephanie, or I'm, I'm sorry, Ellie. <laughs> Stephanie's my wife. Ellie <laughs> uh, had a had a friend on a trip that went out the year before, and they they dumped uh, a canoe in a set of rapids, and one of the uh, young women um, got hypothermia. And almost died, and they had uh, they had a sat phone at the time, and they airlifted out um, the uh, young woman. But for the counselor, uh, Ellie's friend, I gave her the book to read, um, just to give me some technical um, mm-hmm. background, you know, on a first draft. 
And she got a few chapters in, and she literally got PTSD and couldn't go anymore. She got so much anxiety that you couldn't read it anymore. So I took it as a little bit of a veiled compliment. <laughs> <laughs> so you did succeed. Wow, that's uh, uh, in, yeah, scaring her <laughs> ex- exactly. And that's what that's why I like it. It reminded me so much in this book of why uh, I used to, as a kid, just gobble up books was because. They take you places that I, you know, I know I'm not going to do that. That's probably not going to be in my, in my future, but I can be in that moment with that character in that story. And there's something, a movie doesn't do it that the same way. Um, you know, seeing a television show doesn't, doesn't quite bring that to you when you get to conjure it in your imagination and live with them. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a great book for this summer. Yeah. And I, and I, uh, I kind of live vicariously through my daughter because she went through it and, and explained all that. So, you know, uh, <laughs> that was that was part of the the fun of the book too. I can imagine, and and of course, risk is a big um, piece of this story. And you know, Holly loved to take risks, and her um, father says at one point in the story that you can say that life without risks is boring or unf- unfulfilled. And I mean, I was thinking about this as a parent, because when I went as a young kid, all of those things never occurred to me when I went up to the Boundary Waters, like what could go wrong? It was more just about, oh, we're taking a trip and we're going to go maybe, maybe we'll go see some moose and, you know, uh, get to sit around a campfire. And so for you as a parent, when you were, uh, you know, when she said she was going to take this trip, were you concerned? Was it a challenge for you to let her do that? No, not really. She grew up going to Camp Wigiwagan, and she had gone on many, many trips before. And, uh, um, you know, she was with a counselor. I mean, she was 17. The counselor is probably 22 um, that had been on the river before. And they have a satellite phone. And Camp Wigiwagan actually has a perfect record where they never lost anybody. <laughs> uh, so, I guess that's so good. <laughs> Yeah, I was relatively confident that that she could do that, and and I thought it was a great experience. I mean, I, it wasn't it wasn't as dangerous as when I was a kid, and I was hitchhiking all over the country and hopping freights and doing all sorts of crazy things. So I think I thought this was pretty well supervised risk taking. Well, and there's a lot of risk taking, and that's one of the things that makes makes a book great, right? Was when you say to a character, "No, don't do that, don't do that, don't go there." <laughs> what are you thinking? Right. Why are you doing that? And there's a lot of those these moments in here because just that setting itself presents all of those you know risks of nature. But you know, there's a lot of risks too about about love in here and family. And probably one of the most touching moments for me is the way that so so we get the backstory of these characters through um, storytelling, but then there's this uh, delightful, unexpected, I think, a way the characters try to imagine their life in the future. And I, these scenes felt so real, even though I knew as I'm reading them they're not the the story of 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 this this uh, love story that they're. Um, just imagined, but they were so beautiful, and it really like it completed this this love story that was happening, and it was um, very very brilliantly done, and and revisited throughout the book that really made it feel like there was this big arc of a full life, even though there you know there are uh, it's all just what they thought might happen, which of course none of us ever know what's going to happen. Was that right. a f- fun part well, to write? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's, it's funny because you know I had to re reread this book you know umpteen times, and the it, the the adventure, the whitewater stuff, to me starts getting a little old. But some of those stories just they still touch me every time I read them and reread them and rewrote them. They kind of touch me, and and those are some of the favorite my favorite parts of the book also. And what was interesting is. You know, my daughter um, grew up gay, and I had to have the backstory for these gay women, so I had to really sit down and, and talk to her about that. And and most parents really don't want to know about, you know, their kids' relationships and certainly their sex lives. And we had to sit down, and, and I sat down a couple times with her and her par- partner and talked about, what, you know, what it was like to come out, what it was like to have that first relationship, what was it like to have a dysfunctional or abusive relationship, mm-hmm. and and those were kind of tough conversations, but kind of fun. But they added that that honesty, I think, to the stories that I, I just wouldn't have had if, unless I've had these really good under uh, conversations with my daughter. And and it shows because they do feel genuine and heartfelt, and uh, just pull you in, and you just want to root for this this you know, success for the adventure to, to finish. And, and again, I'm struggling. I'm trying really careful to not reveal too much of the story because I want people to pick up a copy of the Barons. Kurt Johnson and Ellie Johnson are uh, the authors. It's a novel of love and death in the Canadian Arctic. And there's a couple of, of places you're going to be appearing. I, I, I read that I want to make sure our listeners know about so that um, one of them is a Father's Day event that's coming up. That's here in the cities. And that is at, uh, it's a reading and signing at Next Chapter Booksellers in St. Paul. And that's on Sunday, June 19th. I want to double check the time with you because I, I the website for the uh, bookstore had it at two. Is that the correct time? Um, I think it's... Or, and then there was another one that listed it at 7. So I, why don't we just direct people to the website for <laughs> next <laughs> no, chapter <I'm> booksellers? <laughs> because you would want to get that right. <laughs> uh, I suspect it's probably at 2 o'clock, but I am going to follow up and make sure. But they could go to um, uh, next chapter bookstore, I mean, next chapter website, and I'll also make sure I have the correct time yes. at KurtJohnsonBooks.com. But thanks for bringing that. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's what a wonderful way to celebrate Father's Day. So both you and Ellie will be there? Yes. Excellent. Yep. And so people can ask questions, and that gives you a chance to, to read it before, because oh, it's, it's such a great book. And then you're also going, I think this is a, one of my favorite books, uh, bookstore names honest dog books in bayfield wisconsin that's the uh, yep. next saturday june 25th at 11 so people have a couple chances yep. to come out and, and see you and uh honestdogbooks.com is the website so we can go support our great local bookstores i know that i've got my copy um at content and so down here in northfield so folks can okay. find a copy of the barons and it's just it's such an extraordinary book i don't do you want to read a, a section i guess i didn't talk to you in advance uh, of that to maybe give people a taste 
it's your choice. Well, I, I, I can't because I'm on this island and I don't actually have the <laughs> See, I should have asked ahead of time, but we had a couple <laughs> seconds. We had a little turmoil here in the studio trying to get things uh, technically set up. So we didn't get to talk about that, which is fine. Um, and, and, and I was trying to figure out, too, what would be the right section to read because you don't want to reveal too much. It is a story that is, you know, you, you want to... Uh, be you know discover the adventure for yourself too so you don't want to give away too much uh, I yeah w- yeah and some I, of those little backstories are fun to read um true and my wife read one at, at our book launch party at uh at lush uh theater um so there's, there's some fun little bits you can pull out exactly and uh, uh so how's the reception been for this book what has it been like for you to hold a cover of your, you know, hold a hardcover copy of your book as it's been published and kind of you made it through this adventure of publishing to get it actually out into the world. How are you doing with that? Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. You know, you have that initial excitement of um, publishing the book and it coming out and when a box of, of hardcover <laughs> books shows up at, at your front door and you open them up, it's, it's pretty exciting. And then, you know, you have to go through the whole marketing uh, portion of it. And we were on a couple TV shows, a couple radio shows, a bunch of podcasts. And then we had a couple launch events, one up in Ely and one down in the Twin Cities. And, uh, uh, Paul, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm kind of a a shy, introverted guy. (laughs) So all that that marketing was uh, a, a little uncomfortable for me. I have to kind of come out of my shell. But it was fun having my daughter. She's not here today, but it was fun having my daughter along because she's more like uh, my wife, who's like you, a radio personality. And so Ellie's very good. And so she kind of held my hand through all these marketing uh, events. But it's, it's, it's all very exciting, and, and we're selling books. I think I went on to Amazon yesterday, and it looked like they were back-ordered, so that's always a good sign. That's great. And, so there might uh, be a, another yeah. edition. Uh, yeah, I don't know the the publish the publishers are always a little, a little tight lipped about all the sales information, but uh, it, it's a good sign, I think. And then and then now, of course, you know, you go from one anxiety to the next, and and one was you know the marketing and getting the sales out there, and now we're into you know getting enough sales so I can get my second book out there and get my <laughs> second book all tightened up so. So that can sell, and so you know, you know, I go from one anxiety to the next. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, I'm just thrilled to be able to to share this story with our listeners so that they can pick up their copy, because it is just uh, really well written, a great adventure story, a wonderful um, celebration of you know love and. Uh, it just has everything you want in a good book, and I'm so so pleased to be able to share this with with everybody. How, how are you, what are the responses you're getting from people? Of of you know, are people saying I I'd, I'd like to go do that trip, or boy, I'm really glad I read about it. No. I don't want to go do that trip. <laughs> no, no, not one, not one person wants to go <laughs> to the Arctic where there's so many bugs that you have to wear a bug shirt and bug netting over your face every day. And, and then there's no call, no place to call for help. (laughs) I think they'd rather maybe just go on a one week trip into the boundary waters with a guide. So none of that, but you know, otherwise the reception is, is great. I mean, 
people seem to like the book, you know, like you, it, it moves fast. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, we got reviewed in the St. Paul Pioneer Press. It was a two page spread and Marianne Grossman loved it there. And we got a, a nice mention in the Star Tribune and, and, um, uh, you know, so the reception is, is, has been, been great. And hopefully, you know, the book continues to sell and, well, we have a, a Hollywood agent out there, and hopefully, you know, we're hoping Bill Polak from um, Minneapolis buys the book and, and produces the movie. But, you know, that's all pie-in-the-sky stuff. We'll we'll see what happens. Wow. that it, I think it would make a great movie, but I'm going to tell everybody to read the book first. <laughs> because I don't think you're going to get some of those subtleties about that that storytelling. That's going to be a, a challenge to weave that in because it's so glorious and it's so wonderful to take that journey with the characters as they reveal themselves and you know, sort of unpeel those layers and let you into their experiences. Uh, it, it just there's so much to celebrate about the book. Do, what advice would you have uh, about someone who's wanting to be a better storyteller? What did you learn about storytelling in this book? Um, well, you know, we took that, that year-long class together with uh, Peter Guy, and that was really helpful to get everybody's um, kind of feedback and to see how, where other people were going with their novels. And kind of through, I did a lot of discovery through that year-long class, and, and I went back and, um, you know, I think there's a, a book about uh, um, storytelling and script writing um, called Story. I think his last name, the author's last name is McKee. And, mm-hmm. and that was real instrumental in, in me kind of figuring out how to structure a scene and really figure out how to structure the whole novel. Now, he, he uses it to talk about a movie, right. but some of the techniques are the same. And it's described in the book, The Barons, you know, beginning, middle, and end, and and what you discovered, but to really see that and to see that outline was a big breakthrough, um, breakthrough for me. Um, cause you can kind of see where, you know, something in a novel feels boring or belabored. And if you kind of break it down and into some of those structures of the scene, beginning middle end, and what you discovered, you can see where they, they missed a piece of that. And you really need to have that in, in every scene. So that was, that was the big thing I learned um, in the novel writing process, you know, um, you know, and, and learning the whole structure of a novel obviously is really complicated, too. And you almost have to just break down other other books to figure out how they outline their novels in order to structure your own, because there does not seem to be a good book out there that that describes that process. Yeah, it is a very challenging thing, and it's it's kind of daunting to get the story to the point where it's it's ready to go out into the world. And you've done such an admirable job, and I'm so impressed that 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 wasn't the the story, the novel that you workshopped. That this is a second book that you wrote since we've taken the class, and it's um, so thrilling to be able to sh- um, share your story and and see your success. You, you've earned it and worked hard to to make this happen. I think you're the first one out of that group, and we were the first group of the novel writing project class at the loft and uh, i'm wishing great success and you know great things happen for you as you go about promoting and uh, telling people about the barons which is a novel of love and death in the canadian arctic it's such a great read i just am so thrilled to to be able to tell people because i want people to go buy this (laughs) 
<laughs> well, thank you. I do, too. I appreciate it. Of course. <laughs> Anything else that I missed that we should tell people about this um, story or anything uh, about your uh, world of, of the wilderness or, or anything about I'm thinking about you and Ellie, too, that this to being on this journey together must be completely fascinating. Yeah, it's really I, I like to do a lot of things with my daughter um, and bring her into my into my world. And I, you know, and I do live vicariously through her, through canoeing and skiing. And now she could almost live a little vicariously through me, through through the writing and she's really had fun and enjoyed it. And she kind of wants to do some writing also. So we'll see uh, how that happens. But it is, as you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very tough uh, mm. journey to, to get published. And, you know, I've, I've written actually like five books and, you know, there's a lot of novel writers. They kind of think they get that first one out and it's going to be the great American novel. And, you know, it almost be more realistic about it because it's, you know, you're not going to write the first short story and think that's gold. So you almost have to write a few short stories to get to get it down and to get um, to, to get one of those published. So it's a it's a long journey, and 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 hopefully my daughter will take it, and hopefully she'll have a a side job so she can pay the rent. <laughs> oh, it's such a thrill! I can't wait someday to to meet Ellie, and I'm excited for the Barons. And I thank you so much for joining me on Arts Any Radio. Sure. Yeah, thanks, Paul. I appreciate uh, you having me on. Of course. Well, I will talk soon. Thank you. That was Kurt Johnson, for, uh, author of The Barons. And I hope you'll come down to Northfield and do an event here for us. I will contact you and try to set something up. We'll do that. <laughs> Thank you, Kurt. Folks, this is okay. Art Zaney, Radio for the Imagination, and I thank you for listening to the show and hope that you will, of course, um, find time for more Art Zaney in your life. And I also want to mention um, on Saturday, June 4th, the Northfield Public Library is going to celebrate and show support for the LGBTQ plus community at the second annual Pride in the Park. That's from 12 to 4. That's happening this weekend. And so you can check out the library's website. And as I understand it, uh, that KYMN is going to be, uh, I think they're going to be broadcasting from the park as well. So that's another reason to keep listening to KYMN Radio, a great station. And I hope that you always find time for that art zany and that you always remember to tune your imagination. In the meantime, till next time, enjoy your imagination. You've been listening to Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination, with your host, Paula Granquist. Art Zany is brought to you each week by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts in Faribault. The Paradise Center for the Arts is a vibrant cultural and artistic gathering spot in historic downtown Faribault. The Paradise is committed to offering high-quality visual and performing art opportunities for Faribault and our region. Regular events spotlight some of the best artists and musicians in our area and throughout Minnesota and the Upper Midwest. Our beautifully restored facility includes art galleries, classrooms, clay and textile labs, a gift shop and rehearsal spaces, in addition to a 300-seat auditorium. Visit ParadiseCenterForTheArts.org for a full schedule of events or call our box office at 507-332-7372. Check out KYMNRadio.net for show archives. 
Listen to your favorite shows from your computer or download the podcasts and listen to KYMN anywhere, anytime.